Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I guess Bill Adams or somebody asked, or Stephen Diener asked me why I was calling in, and I said, well, because there's you know a, another Chinese balloon coming up from South America that's heading to Florida. I said, and, uh, you know, tonight the president of the United States is going to lie to the American people again. I said, but Jennifer's back, so it's all good. (laughs) I meant that because it was the best thing I could think of this morning was that Jennifer was back. The Air Force General Glenn Van Herc uh, told us yesterday that the spy balloon that was shot down was hundreds of feet in diameter. You know, it's hard, hard to envision things that large, unless you have a real sort of uh, something that you're familiar with. It was 200 feet tall, and it weighed a couple of thousand pounds, according to the commander for NORAD, which is this Van Herc, General Van Herc, and the U.S. Northern Command. He, he leads both. And he was talking to reporters on the phone And he added that the balloon was potentially carrying explosives, but had no evidence of it either, noting that there was a device hanging from the bottom that was about the size of a small jet. So I have a couple of questions. (laughs) I don't know about the rest of you. I actually have a lot of questions. But the first question that I have is, are you serious you don't know what the device hanging from the bottom was. You just know what size it was. You don't know if there were explosives. You're just supposing there were explosives. And you you factor that into your planning to shoot down the balloon over open water, thinking that, well, it might have explosives on board that would detonate, you know, if the uh, Chinese decided to do that but they weren't even scared enough to detonate them if they were in there. It wasn't until Saturday. Remember, the first time I heard about the balloon or that you heard about the balloon was when some people in Montana looked up at the sky on Wednesday and said, there's like a very unidentified flying object up there. It looks like a balloon. And immediately the, uh, the government says, yeah, yeah, we know about the balloon. We've known about it since yesterday. Since yesterday? That sucker went all across the Pacific Ocean into Canada, then came down to Montana where it hovered. Hovered. It has the ability to hover. Okay. Why would you hover? If it was a civilian airship monitoring weather and patterns, why would you hover over some military uh, nuclear silos in Montana? I mean, come on, guys. Officials now are saying, It was not a weather balloon. It was not a civilian airship monitoring weather patterns. It was a Chinese military spy craft. Well, hallelujah. 
like the rest of us had figured that out. We took maximum precaution to prevent any intel collection. I don't know what that means. Do you? What is maximum precaution? You, did you jam the signals to the satellites? You didn't even know this balloon existed until Tuesday, but you jammed the signal to the... Uh, uh, everything about this story stinks, right? It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, this was under my NORAD hat, he said to the reporters, and therefore I could not take any immediate action against the balloon because it was not demonstrating hostile act or hostile intent. Now, let me ask you a question. If we were to fly such a device over China, do you really think they would hesitate in shooting it down? First of all, they wouldn't care how many people they killed on the ground. Just, they got lots of people. They, they, you know, they kill unborn children who are the wrong sex. So come on, that wouldn't have been their concern. And they definitely would have said, this is a spy. We know it's a spy uh, ship from America, but it's not showing any hostile signs right now. That in and of itself is a hostile sign. Just saying. The debris that has been collected is from an area roughly 1,500 meters. That's like 5,000 feet by 5,000 feet. And they got all these military vessels out there helping to gather. But that doesn't answer the question, what fell to the bottom of the ocean? You know, because the heavier the object, the more likely it was to fall to the bottom of the ocean. How much stuff do you think is going to be bobbing around of the balloon debris? And let me ask you a question. That The F-22 Raptor that shown right off the coast of North and South Carolina, they didn't take, uh, you know, some pictures of the balloon first. You know, we still don't have a close-up picture of this here balloon. All we have are the, like, you know, homemade videos that people in Montana took or other people who spotted it in Texas or wherever else uh, people looked up in the sky and saw it. Surfside Beach, South Carolina, they saw it. I looked at, you know, these uh, pictures and videos that regular people took. I want a close-up. So the raptor flies by and doesn't have the ability to get a close-up so that we could see what the thing that's about the size of a small jet, what it actually looks like or what it was. The, the idea that the Pentagon says the balloon, which it said was carrying sensors and surveillance equipment, was maneuverable and showed it could change course. That's why when it hovered or loitered over sensitive areas of Montana, where we have nuclear warheads siloed, how do you prevent it from collecting intelligence and sending that intelligence back to China? I don't think you need to be a rocket science. Scientists have figured that out. Any U.S. defense and military official who wasn't asking questions like I'm asking should be fired immediately. The balloon entered our defense zone north of the Aleutian Islands back on January 28th. And then it moved over land across Alaska. Then it moved into Canadian airspace in the Northwest Territories on January 30th. The next day, it crossed back into the U.S. over northern Idaho. Now, we only know this because U.S. officials spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss the sensitive topic. 
I'm so tired of them simply not telling us the truth. The White House said Biden was first briefed on the balloon on Tuesday. Okay. The State Department said Blinken and Deputy Secretary Wendy Sherman spoke with the Chinese regime's senior Washington-based official on Wednesday evening about the matter. So we waited almost 48 hours to bring it up? In the first public U.S. statement, Brigadier General Pat Ryder, the Pentagon press secretary, I don't even know that, did you? Said Thursday evening that the balloon was not a military or physical threat. It was not carrying weapons. Well, how do you know that? If you can't even tell me what the object hanging down from its bottom was. He said that once the balloon was detected, we acted immediately to protect against the collection of sensitive information. Nobody is buying these lies, this nonsense, this BS. This was handled about as well as they handled the leaving of Afghanistan. You, nobody's buying this. You can identify every single individual who was at the J6 Stop the Steal rally, but you can't find a big Chi-Com surveillance balloon. Amazing. Admitting your own complete and utter useless failure. Veterans are disgusted by this. I'll just make sure to tell my friends in Montana, please keep an eye out for more balloons because we don't have a military leadership or a president who seems to be able to figure it out. So if you spot it, what is it that they say? It, um, oh my goodness, uh, that, that we should speak or, or we should tell somebody about things like this. But now we really have to. The media is so complicit in covering this stuff up for, for the uh, Biden administration, it makes me sick to my stomach. It really is remarkable how anonymous sources always seem to come out of the woodwork to protect the Democrats. A Chinese spy balloon floats across the United States and President Biden sits on his hands in the White House. He let the balloon traverse the entire country before he finally shot it down. Come on, guys. Really? Uh, you just... You just have to say. And then, then of course, immediately it was like, well, you know, there were uh, three balloons during the uh, Trump administration. Let's get Donald Trump on this. Uh, no, 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 no. This is not true. Nobody in the Trump administration, nobody in the Defense Department says that Donald Trump knew about a, a, a balloon or a Chinese aircraft of any kind. No, 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 no. They may have, and you may know about it now, but nobody knew it then, which is really scary, right? U.S. intelligence, not the Biden administration, assesses that the People's Republic of China government surveillance balloons have transited the continental U.S. briefly at least three times during the prior administration and once that we know of at the beginning of this administration, but never for this duration of time. The official told Fox News that this information was discovered after the Trump administration left. It's a very convenient truth for the Biden White House if the same incompetence occurred under Trump, but it's also a lie, at least according to the people who were there. B.S. John Ratcliffe was quite clear that the Trump-era Chinese balloon incursions that are being claimed by Biden administration officials did not 
happen. Richard Grinnell was another person who was there. It's a hard no for me. The entire Biden team has been lying and are now scrambling to get help in the cover-up. You shouldn't have believed their anonymous source tale in the first place. Ask yourself why John Carl would quote an anonymous official when every senior national security official in the Trump administration is on the record saying that John Carl is wrong. Uh, just saying. Just saying. But that's okay. You know, uh, I saw Marco Rubio was pretty much on fire last night. Yeah, I didn't see him on the CNN bit where he's with Jake Tapper, who's a waste of, uh, you know, airspace. Um, but Rubio, who I don't like, made a lot of sense when he was on Fox last night. He said, hold everything. This is very serious. And we, we can't just dismiss this. Imagine, th for three years, people have been incarcerated over walking into the Capitol building. And they haven't had a trial yet. I saw some leaked video, I don't know if it's true or who got it on Gateway Pundit, uh, of, of the ridiculous conditions that these J6 uh, protesters have been kept in. But meanwhile, you know, don't worry. They're, they're the bad guys. Not the communist Chinese party. They're not the bad guys. The bad guys are conservatives, parents who go to school board meetings. You just, you just have to, just have to scratch your head, right? My thought of the day today is about you know, um, just the insanity that's going on around us. It's very hard to keep your head, your wits about you these days. You have to sometimes just uh, shut it down. Shut it down and try to uh, remember that we're better than this. We're gonna talk, I'm going to talk about the uh, upcoming incredible uh, fantasy world of Joe Biden that we'll all be sharing tonight for the State of the Union address. I, I remember um, <laughs> I saw somebody on television saying like they, they don't want Kevin McCarthy to tear up uh, the speech at the end or during the speech like uh, Nancy Pelosi was so famous for doing after Trump's last uh, State of the Union address. They said, no, instead, they'd like the uh, Speaker of the House to pull a balloon out from behind his chair and pop it, which I thought was not just clever, but it would be worth I I might actually sit through the whole speech if they promised me they were going to do that. I will listen to the response from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the governor of Arkansas, for sure, but I may just watch this uh, State of the Union address. I always get such a kick out of seeing that this one stands, that one don't stand, they all stand, nobody stands. Oh, God, it's tedious, it really is. It should be a memo. I think it was, uh, who said that today? Uh, um, the writer for the Boston Globe, uh, inarguable, his... Uh, his, his, uh, his column, and and he it's profound. He was absolutely right. Let me take a quick time out. Don't forget to download the eight fifty app so you can get my no restraint podcast when it falls, the drops, whatever the right term is. You can follow all the contests. You can get involved in everything and listen right online or on the website. 
That's 850WFTL.com. I'll be right back. Uh, All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Well, I tell you, I, I do. I, I, I try to um, be diligent in looking at information. Um, it's Jeff Jacoby, by the way, who was the person who wrote the article, which I now can't find, but, you know, eventually I will. And he, he really um, summed up some of the stuff that I have really come to understand about, you know, just trying to be a conservative, trying to be a political person, uh, trying to not go overboard in any direction whenever discussing, you know, something that's important. But he, he said that, and I cannot pull the article up, I'm just grateful I remembered uh, that he's the one who said him. He said that instead of having these televised, uh, you know, State of the Union addresses, this will be President Biden's third one, right? Um, most people don't watch it. You know, there were times, there certainly have been days when a president would get, I don't know, 50, 60 million people to look at his uh, State of the Union address. Um, I think the last time there was more than, uh, you know, 35 or something was Donald Trump got 47 million viewers when he spoke in 2019, but that dropped to 37 million in 2020. And the first two State of the Union addresses that Joe Biden gave were less than 33 million people watching, okay? Now, let me just give you a frame of reference for that, all right? Because 33 million sounds like a lot of eyeballs, right? On Sunday, when the Super Bowl plays, Super Bowl 57 or whatever it is, I think it's 57, there will be 110 million or more Americans watching, okay? And, and that's three times the amount of people who are anticipated to watch the State of the Union address in which basically all you have is the president uh, congratulating himself for all the things that he says he did, whether he did them or not, and then giving us a list of things that he wants to do and pointing out a few people sitting in the gallery and uh, they'll repeatedly interrupt him with applause and people standing up, all members of his own party. So why not, um, why not just give it up? Uh, it's a lost cause. And, and why not instead um, you know, send out a memo? It isn't a speech. It, or actually, it is a speech. That's the problem. I think that's what Jeff Jacoby was arguing, inarguable. He said, it's a speech. Not just a speech, but one of these speeches that kings give. You know, And, and it, it obliterates the division of power among three co-equal branches, right? The president's alone on the podium. He's being attended to by lawmakers and diplomats and Supreme Court justices in their black robes, 
it's almost like uh, you know, like we're watching the king in in speech from the throne, which, by the way, is not appropriate for a government that claims it's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Presidents have to go before Congress and time to time and give them some information on the quote state of the union, and to recommend that they do certain things to help him along, but. George Washington and John Adams might have done it in person. Thomas Jefferson, he hated it. That whole idea of this pompous cavalcade, he called it, to Capitol Hill, and he put an end to the practice. He said, I'll write it out. I'll issue a memo. And everybody loved that. Get rid of the pomp and pageantry. It dishonors our institution. So, that became the standard for 112 years. Every American president, whether they were Democrats, Republicans, and Whigs alike, they did what they had to do according to the Constitution, which was advise Congress by writing it down. They didn't go to Capitol Hill. They're actually not supposed to intrude on congressional turf. And then, of course, Woodrow Wilson was elected to the White House. He was an arrogant imperious, uh, you know, I don't know what, uh, Kevin Williamson called him the Benito Mussolini of Princeton. And, you know, and, and he wanted that whole pomp and pageantry, and he decided to disregard the understanding that Congress was off limits to the occupant of the White House, and nobody since 1801 had even gone to Capitol Hill. No, no president. And then he said, I'm doing it. And it, it didn't even happen all at the same time. The guy after him, Warren Harding, um, he, did it, he did make uh, speeches like that, State of the Union speeches, but Calvin Coolidge didn't. He wrote it out. Herbert Hoover wrote it out. It wasn't until Franklin Delano Roosevelt came along that they revived it. And then, of course, with the advent of television, that was that. Now every president, Republicans, Democrats, they love the annual ritual of, of listen to me talk about all the wonderful things I've done. And guess what? Most Americans just tune it out. Jefferson was right. An American speech from the throne is suitable for a Caesar or a Sun King, but not for a president. The imperial presidency doesn't need more bells and whistles and electronic whiz-bangery. It needs more humility. It needs more modesty. And if you cancel the State of the Union address, that would be a first step, a fine step in the right direction. Thanks to Jeff Jacoby for that uh, brilliant concept that I am now going to carry with me for the rest of my life, and eventually I'll claim it for my own, probably. No, I, I don't think so, but <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you that there is a, comes a time where you have to admit we've gotten it all wrong and we have to re return to doing things in a way that actually reinforces this concept that we have three branches of government and that they are separate. They're co-equal branches, by the way. And they are not supposed to invade upon each other's uh, territory. You know, Congress doesn't get to go hold a session in the White House, and the president should not be uh, making speeches 
from the from a joint session of Congress in the in the House of Representatives. Just saying, just saying. A friend, my friend, just dropped me a, 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 an email. She said, "Size of a small jet." Hey, would that maybe be a, a missile? Yeah, think. I, I mean, I just, I'm so, I'm so disgusted by the fact that we actually have military commanders here that tell, you know, it, don't tell us the truth or leave out parts that don't line up with what they want to say. The, the, the guy, the top military commander, uh, Glenn Van Herc, who said, so, you know, there's a domain awareness gap. So we allowed three Chinese spy balloons to gather intelligence on the U.S. undetected. Really? That's a domain awareness gap? And he said, I don't want to go into any further detail. Say what? <laughs> you, just, you just have to scratch your head and say, like, how much else don't we know? And who does this leaking? The Washington Free Beacon noted that the identity of the senior defense uh, official who leaked the information that there were three Chinese spy balloons before this one uh, we don't know who that is. Mm. And the fact that they only discovered it after Donald Trump left the office is also very concerning. You'd almost have to believe that the military, the Pentagon, was withholding information from President Trump. Now, does anybody out there find that hard to believe? Because I don't. They were trying to bring him down. And it probably would have been uh, very useful for the Republicans to have had the knowledge that there were spy balloons and shot them out of the sky. Just saying. Just saying. A score of senior Trump administration had been very clear. And they were all part of the national security apparatus. This never happened. They don't recall ever there being a spy balloon over the United States. But hey, that's not the headline news anymore, is it? You know, uh, ABC, CBS, they create news they deliver it in the manner they want to, and they never correct themselves when they're wrong. They're wrong. Anyway, let me take a break. I'll be right back. Uh, I'll tell you, every time I think that, you know, it just can't get any crazier or any worse, I am proven wrong. <laughs> and I, it's not that um, that I I want to be right about a lot of these things. I don't. You know, I'd rather be wrong. I'd rather say... Uh, Actually, everything is fine. We're going to be okay. Um, but I can't. I can't do that. Because I certainly can't do it to you. Um, you're the people who have literally um, just kept me working all these years. And I appreciate that. I don't, I don't take that for granted. I know that there are plenty of people who would like to see my career end, go up and smoke, were it not for your de your determination to keep me on the air all this time, I wouldn't be here. I know that. I know that. So, so the least I can do is I can make sure that I deliver the kind of product to you every single day that you expect from me. That's all. You know, I, I'm quite uh, certain that a lot of people out there feel exactly the way I do about a lot of things. And that many of you don't have the 
ability that I have or don't have the opportunity that I have to share my feelings every single day and to be as open with you as I can possibly be. I'm happy about that. I really am. Uh, I don't take it for granted. And I don't fool around when it comes to, uh, you know, telling you my, my truth or the things that I believe are important. And trust me, the, this State of the Union address that you're going to hear tonight, it has absolutely nothing in it that you, you can believe or that is even relevant anymore. This is just a show, I, I can't even describe it. It's just a, an opportunity for politicians to get on television again. And, and I, want, I wonder, I don't know about the rest of you, but I wonder, like, do they not know that the rest of us are looking at them and rolling our eyes? I, I don't think they do. I think they actually take it quite seriously, all this pomp and circumstance. You know, already I'm watching pundits or listening to pundits all across the dial saying like, well, who's going to be seated in the gallery next to, uh, you know, Jill, Jill Biden? And uh, uh, how many times will he bring up uh, January 6th? I mean, here we are almost three years later. How many times will he bring this up? I, you know, um, I don't care. And I'm not sure whether or not I'm going to watch it, even though I have this obligation to talk about it tomorrow. I do. I know that. But uh, it may be too difficult. I'll start to watch it. Let me. Can I promise you that? I will start to watch it. And if I can tolerate it, I'll watch the whole thing. But if I can't, then uh, I'll, I'll do the same thing that most of you are going to do. I'll watch something else. And I'll wait till the morning and then I'll read in every major newspaper, liberal and conservative, what exactly it was that he lied about. Because that I expect he will do. You know, th there's no question. First and foremost, he's going to introduce more taxes. That we know. All right. And I don't know about the rest of you, but like there are no good taxes. I I'm convinced that it, we would have enough money if we just had a sales tax and in particular if we had a flat tax or a fair tax to run the essential parts of this country. Now, if you're going to have a progressive in, uh, you know, income tax, which is what we have right now, you at least have to make it fair. Everybody has to have some kind of tax in, in a nationwide income tax, right? But we don't do that. We, we permit the people who don't make enough money, in our opinion, uh, to participate in the income tax. They don't have to file for income tax. They're still eligible for all kinds of uh, tax benefits, mind you. And people have lots of money. Well, then they're kind of, you know, in a progressive tax, the way it's uh, uh, storied or, or, or channeled, um, they don't really pay their fair share. It would be a lot more fair if we all paid 10%. Everybody. So if you only made $26,000, you pay 10% of that. I learned a long time ago, my father taught me this. And anybody who um, believes in tithing and believes in, in contributing money to, to the uh, poor um, knows this. 
if you can't live on a dollar, you can't, if you can live on a dollar, you should be able to live on 90 cents. I forgot how my father used to say, he said, if you can't live on a dollar, no, wait, how did he say it? If you can't live on 90 cents, you can't live on a dollar. That's how he said it. So in other words, if you can't take 10% off the top and give it to the government and say, here, keep the roads uh, operating and keep it. Now, if you're a billionaire, you're going to pay a billion dollars. If you have $10 billion last year you made, you're going to pay a billion dollars in taxes. We know that's not happening now, right? Billionaires have all kinds of tax shelters and uh, creative accountants and all the rest of it. So there's no way that you can make a case for a fair tax or a flat tax not being fair. Of course it is. But we don't really care about fairness anymore. What we care about is that we look as though we are very concerned about the, the downtrodden and that we are not jealous of the very wealthy, but we kind of uh, despise them, is really, unless they happen to be uh, outwardly liberal. I, I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Somebody sent me a song this morning of uh, how they feel about Bill Gates. It was kind of like a protest song about what they believe Bill Gates is up to. And I had to laugh because <coughs> I don't know where the person who said that got this song. But if you're like me, you live through protest songs in your past. You know, Country Joe and the Fish. They were always, uh, you know, Phil Oaks, Pete Seeger. There were always protest songs. And now the protest songs are different. And there were always people who thought they could make things right by throwing money at them. And there always will be people like that. Right now, they're actually in control of one of the houses and of the White House. And it's up to a handful of conservatives in the House of Representatives to push back on this insanity. Will they do it? I don't have any confidence, and neither do you. Um, but we're, we're, um, we're hopeful. We really are, that the day will come when we go back to some of the original principles upon which this country was founded. And where we look at the states, and I happen to live, we happen to live in a state that uh, is a really good incubator or a really good uh, example of using the power of the state to overcome any challenges, but it wouldn't be the same if you were living in Kansas, for instance, as it is if you're living in Florida. Although Kansas is probably in pretty good shape right now, Arkansas too, but uh, Texas too. But for the most part, you really don't want to find yourself in California or New York unless you are extremely rich because there's no middle class left in these cities. And the rich feel so guilty that they'll lift up what they consider the downtrodden, for instance, illegal aliens. And don't tell me to call them undocumented workers. They're illegal aliens. They're alien to this country, and they came in here illegally. 
And I got rich people all over the place, including, you know, members of my family who live in these coastal cities and uh, make, you know, tons and tons of money and live very lovely lifestyles. And they'll tell me that we need to allow as many people into this country as want to come. And they don't need to be vetted. It's a global world now. We're all the same. Meanwhile, you know, if they discover a few terrorists coming across the, the border who have no need to have left the countries they were in, they weren't being persecuted or anything like that, they're just coming here for we're not sure what. They're already on terrorist watch list, but I'm supposed to say, oh, yes, we have to let them in. You just, you know, common sense has been thrown out the window. And the fact that we don't fight to get it back is really just so sad. Why you only have a handful of guys in the House of Representatives who are willing to push back when these insane, uh, you know, bills are presented. But they don't. You know, thank goodness, you know, for a brief period of time, at least for the next two years, we should see some bills at least proposed that make some fiscal sense. Nah. Now, of course, they abdicated their responsibility in fighting against signing that continuing resolution forever. And now we have to wait till September until we have any ability to tamp down some of the spending that's going to go on. You know, I, I saw this piece. I, I probably should put it up on the website tomorrow. I will. It's a gentleman's, uh, uh, one of the Republicans in, in Congress, I can't remember what his name is, making the case for how ridiculous this whole electric car thing has become. Not that it isn't a good idea to start working on these kinds of technologies as Elon Musk has at Tesla, as you know, Ford and, and other companies are doing. But this idea that California has now insisted that by 2025 or 2030, everybody has to have an electric car, Okay, how are they going to charge their electric cars when you can't keep the power on in their homes? How are, at what point do we recognize the fact that we don't have the proper mining going on in this country, whether it's copper or mining now where we've got these cobalt mines that we're finding out are, you know, uh, uh, functioning under despicable conditions in parts of the Congo and everywhere else. It's almost like, you remember when we had the, People revolted against diamonds because they said, oh, my God, these, the mining conditions are horrible. Well, how do you think the mining conditions are going to be when you have to start keeping up with enough cobalt to, uh, you know, create the batteries that are required to operate these cars, which then have to be uh, recharged by electricity that is still fundamentally going to be created by uh, coal, you know, fossil fuels, maybe uh, natural gas. It's all backwards. They want the results before they actually come up with how they can get those results. And we have a Congress that sits there and bow, you know, bows down to the Cretans like the AOCs of the world who say, well, but you know, I, I can't even have children because of uh, global warming. You know, the amount of global warming that's going to happen in AOC's life or even in, in you know, uh, her children's lives if she decides to have one, um, I'm sure she won't have more than one. That would create another climate crisis. But, uh, you know, the kinds, the number of lives that are going to be affected by global warming in the next hundred years 
pales in comparison to the number of lives that are going to be affected by not being able to heat their homes in the winter because there's no more um, fossil fuels being used for these purposes. They don't care. They don't care. And, and we allow them to lie about it. You know, to say, oh, the, you know, uh, it's, it's fundamental that we have windmills. If they kill a couple of birds, it's okay. Even though we couldn't build housing because there were snails that might have been displaced. These people are crazy. Crazy as bedbugs. And we allow them to lead us. Then we must be crazy too. Don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino at... Four o'clock, it's Ben Shapiro. Six o'clock, the WPTV News. And then the Reunited Morning Show comes back at 6 a.m. with Jennifer Ross, Bill Adams, and Stephen Diener. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. So, <laughs> you know, uh, USA Today Sports is publishing a series this month for Black History Month, 28 Black Stories in 28 Days. And they talk about all the issues and challenges that black athletes and sports officials and all that jazz. And in 2019, global superstar Rihanna was interviewed by Vogue magazine and said something fairly extraordinary. She said she had turned down the NFL's request to perform in the Super Bowl halftime show. I couldn't dare do that. For what? Who gains from that, she said. Not my people. I just couldn't be a sellout. I couldn't be an enabler. There's things within that organization that I do not agree with at all, and I was not about to go and be of service to them in any way. The organization she was referring to is the NFL. Okay? She was once anti-NFL. Go back in time. You know, she didn't want to support the NFL because the league was coming off player protests that had been started by uh, Colin Kaepernick, anybody remember him, who later was effectively banned by the NFL. So when she said, I am not performing in the NFL halftime show, it was a pretty big deal. Rihanna was showing her support for the players who, along with Kaepernick, were protesting what they call systemic racism that infiltrates pol uh, policing and, and, and the deaths and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, and now, all of a sudden, Rihanna, uh, forget about that. Apparently, everything is fine. It's strange to me that because it's the same. The, the same things that the players were protesting, they keep saying are still in existence today. In fact, um, with the killing of Tyree Nichols, you could actually say things are, are kind of worse because those were black police officers who did that. And when it comes to the organization, the NFL, there hasn't been any change. The, they, they still don't have you know enough uh, black faces in management and coaching. That's what she said in 2019. So what changed for Rihanna? Uh, I mean, one theory is that now she's part of Rock Nation, and the that's the group that uh, Jay-Z and Beyonce, well, I think just Jay-Z, are the head of, and they're the executive producer of the show. And because Jay-Z entered into this multi-year agreement uh, with the NFL to, well, you know, to just do what it is that Jay-Z does, use a very public place to get his music out. 
the music that he's producing. Now look, she's amazing. The, the show will probably be excellent. It'll probably be stunning, because she is. I happen to, uh, you know, be a big Rihanna fan. I I can't <laughs> can't explain it, but I just I love her music. I love her videos. Yeah, some of it's a little risque, and that that's that's neither here nor there. It's not for me. Um, but she's so talented, and I know the show will be like mind boggling, and all the rest of it. But you make no mistake about it. Despite all of that, everything that I've just said positive, she will be contradicting herself. And and that's what is so wearying or wearisome about the left. You know, they are constantly contradicting themselves. And if, if you try to get away with that on the right, forget about it, right? First and foremost, we police that kind of stuff ourselves. You want to be a hypocrite? Uh, move aside. We're not going to give you, uh, you know, an opportunity to play your, apply your trade. Um, and then finally, the one thing that I didn't talk about yesterday and meant to, and I can't really talk about it today that much either, but I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there. I did not watch the Grammys. I did watch some clips from it, as I admitted last night, just because I wanted to see. What happened to Madonna's face? Like, that is so bizarre to me. And I'm used to Madonna just being freaky and always, you know, reinventing herself and uh, trying to push back the hands of time and all the rest of it. I, I get that. But she looks so bizarre in the segment that I watched where she was given an award, um, I think, to the, the Unholy um, and talking about, oh, you know, we need more of this pushing the envelope crap, which we don't need more of. We don't really need more devil worshiping or transsexuals in cages. I mean, I don't see how we need more of that. We have enough. But whatever she did to her face, they should throw that plastic surgeon or that you know cosmetic dermatologist in jail because he took a, someone who was once, you know, a stunning woman and turned her into like, I can't even, I can't look at the still photographs. How about that? That's how scary her, her face was. Anyway, that does it for me. I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon with my State of the Union, uh, you know, cheat sheet, if it be his will and he delays his coming, he being my Lord and Savior. And I, uh, I caution you, if you're going to watch this, you know, um, have a tall glass next to you. May God bless you, and may God bless the United States of America. See you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.